0: Welcome to the Frame of Reference podcast. This episode's theme is once again, mental health, a topic that continues to be near and dear to me and many people right now. I'm so, so happy that this is becoming a mainstream conversation. I had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Gans Ferrance, and he has a PhD in counseling psychology and an MA in developmental educational psychology from Andrews University in Michigan. We spoke about the importance of addressing burnout, how we can identify stressors in our lives, the importance of things like meditation, coping mechanisms, and a lot of ways in which we can help and identify issues with our own mental health. We also talked about the idea of normalizing therapy and counseling and how everyone, myself and Dr. Gans included, can benefit from it and why it's something we need to focus on to grow as individuals. So, you know, one of my favorite phrases out of this conversation was happy bank, and uh, you'll understand why. His website is askdrgans.com, check it out to learn more. And without further ado, this is our conversation. (laughs) Well, hello, Dr. Gans, how are you today?
1: I'm awesome. Thank you. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing very well. Thanks so much for taking the time. Um, you know, I, we were just chatting right before I hit record. Uh, you know, stress uh, it, and burnout is the need of the hour. Uh, you're a registered psychologist and you've been uh, working for decades on this. For and, and you said this has been the need of the hour for a long time. Wow. Um, I'm just curious how you got into this profession. Um, how have you seen the term burnout becoming more and more mainstream? And uh, what are your thoughts on, on uh, how it's evolved to you know, mainstream discussion today?
1: Sure, sure. So, you know, like most people in the helping professions, I got into this because, you know, I try to figure out my own screwed up life, right? Which was <laughs> like, well, why did this happen? How come my parents were like this? What was going on when, when this went on, right? And so really wanting to understand that at a deeper level. And I was always fascinated by how we worked as people uh what made us healthy what made us happy what made us successful and also what helped us to have good communication and good relationships and so you know this whole idea of psychology and 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 not not sort of the typical psychology or what people think of psychology because we there tends to be this idea of a, a little bit of negative gearing when it comes to this or a deficiency model which is Oh, if you go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist, it's because something's wrong with you. You're crazy or you're nuts, right? I really come at it from the other end. It's like, no, let's figure out what is the best practices. What are the best practices of people who are healthy, happy, successful, well-functioning? Let's figure out what they're doing, see what we can learn from that. And let's make sure everybody else has that information as well so that they can also have those outcomes for themselves, right? And so that really got me interested in this whole field and the idea of like, what is our potential, how good can we have it as people. And so that led me down this path of learning that. In the meantime, though. I also, you know, going through graduate school is stressful, starting a career is stressful, right? And um, dealing with a dysfunctional family is also stressful. So I really got the taste of what happens when we don't have a good handle on our stress and we try to do too much for too long or too soon and what happens with burnout. And what I, you know, I've burnt myself out a couple of times but then I came to understand, oh, hey, it's not just me. It's like, this is a really common thing, unfortunately. And lots of people are dealing with this. And, and even more so now, after or during COVID and coming out of COVID, it's, it's, it's much more prevalent. So there is an increase in awareness of so people talking about it more. But legitimately, there is higher levels of stress and, um, you know, higher levels of burnout happening, you know, across the, across the globe.
0: It's just so fascinating whenever I speak to somebody who's in the health profession, like you said, and they have that background of, you know, having, um, you know, experienced some form of uh, stress or trauma at some point in their life Mm -hmm. and having that be, uh, you know, the the reason why they mold themselves to help others. I find that so fascinating. Like, you know, there's two ways I think people go, right? Like there's you either double down on, uh, you know, how you feel, you act in other ways. Or you sort of go the path of, I can help others. At what point in your life did you think, hey, you know, this is what I need to do to help others?
1: Well, yeah, I, I was always, I, I guess, always one of those kids who didn't like to see other people hurt. Like when other people were having a hard time, I always wanted to step in and help. And, you know, I never wanted to do anything to hurt anybody on purpose. Right. And so there was always this sense of wanting to make life better for the people around me. Um, and, uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. That came very, very early. Like, you know, I think five, you know what I mean? Um, I remember when I was about seven or eight, my grandmother was diagnosed with, um, diabetes, uh, type two diabetes. And I was one of the people that, you know, I, at that age, I was figuring out, okay, well, let's figure out your insulin dose and I'm giving her shots and stuff like that. And it was, it was joyful to me. It was something that I really wanted to do because I loved her. And I wanted to help her. And that's that's so that's I, I don't know, that's kind of always been a little bit of my personality or character, I think. And um, as I was going through school, trying to figure out, okay, how do I point that somewhere? Right. Where how do I how do I make sure that I do something that is going to fulfill that that I guess that desire for me or that that purpose for me.
0: I just, I just find like, like whenever um, kids figure that out early in their life, um, there's points where you get bullied too, right? Where there's, there's, there's definite moments in like middle school or locker rooms and things like that where it's like do I really want to help others you know
1: (laughs) well no I I get it but but you know it's also I think for me anyway the bullying just helped to reinforce that this is Mm -hmm. garbage I don't want other people to have to go through this as well right and you know for me but so my story is I grew up in Edmonton out out here in the west and Mm -hmm. so I grew up in the 70s 60s late 60s 70s and and 80s and you know, there weren't a lot of people of color, you know, I'm a black guy, and I was the only black guy in my school, I was also younger for my grade, I was smaller for my grade. So I dealt with all of that stuff, the misunderstanding, the not knowing the racism, all that other stuff, right. And, um, you know, so it was, it was, it was not fun, necessarily all the time, but it did really help to sharpen the resolve, to make sure that I can help people, not just people who are on the the, you know, sort of the victim end of the bullying, but also the, the bullies, right? The, the folks that are acting out because they don't know where else to put whatever frustration or, or insecurities or whatever else is going on with them. You know, and we know, like, sometimes bullies just want to, like, you know, show power over people, but the majority of bullies really have their own insecurities. They have their own backstory that no one knows, and they're trying to have some control over something in their lives. So they can feel better about themselves instead of feeling, you know, like kind of facing what's really going on, and so you know they're hurting too. So everybody's hurting and, and looking for ways to help everybody do better because if they feel better, they do better, and then we're all we all benefit.
0: Yeah, and essentially, like you know, that that kind of realization sets sets the path, it sets the tone for for you, right? Like uh, I feel like that's one of the steps in recovering from trauma is understanding when you do stand out. That's actually your strength. And of course, it can be a weakness in a perception for others, but it's a strength in many ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for a long time when I was younger, I tried to hide. And you know, like I know this is audio, but you know, I'm like I'm six feet, I'm you know, I'm bald, I got, you know, like I can't hide, like you know, I stand <laughs> out. And so it wasn't working very well. And then I just had to own it. I just had to say, okay, this is me, this is what's going on. But I really, I really do agree with you when we can fully accept ourselves. And this is kind of what my whole kind of quest and my coaching and speaking and that sort of thing is all about, is is when we can actually feel comfortable in our own skin. When we can understand that we're good, we, you know, kind of won the lottery just by showing up and we deserve to be here, then it's kind of a superpower, right? Because that is that is a level of control and strength and power that that most people don't realize that is available or, or don't realize that they can have. But you know, when you're walking your own path and you feel solid and content in yourself, yes, there's going to be stuff that comes at you. And yes, you might even be a target, but you feel okay, you you understand where that other these attacks or whatever, whatever kind of uh, friction may be coming at you, you understand where it comes from. And then you can sort of um, make sense of it. So it doesn't have to stick. And you're just better in life.
0: And and belonging is a big um, thing. I think right now, I feel like part of and we can go into the science of burnout, um, as well. I think that's very fascinating. Um, But I'm just curious, because of what you think about the state of belonging in our head and mentally like you know tribalism is quite common now especially with like you know division and post pandemic mm-hmm. and everything so um i feel like there's a huge sense of belonging that people that people need uh, from the get-go from childhood yeah. to early adulthood and things like that but especially now right like let's say you know you don't have your tribe uh, yeah. you don't have people that understand you um there's a bigger sense of loneliness than
1: yeah. ever right 100 i agree with you um so i think it started earlier it started with um the advance of like technology right um yeah i remember in the 90s when things were really starting to ramp up in the, the mid 90s early 2000s right and so our smartphones were coming online and different things like that. And, and the, the whole idea was we were supposed to, it, all, these, all this technology was supposed to ease our, ease our lives, give us more free time, help us to connect more and feel, you know, just kind of bring everybody together, right? Especially social media. Um, but, you know, one of the things that has happened is we've gotten busier. And really, you know, um, it used to be back in the day, if you were on call on, on your job, they would call you on the phone in your house phone. You get up, you put on whatever you get paid for. You go out. You also get paid for just being by the phone, right? Nowadays, with social media and all the all the um, alarms and announcements and everything that comes, <laughs> the whole world is kind of on call to everybody else all the time without getting paid for it, right? And so we have this we have this uh, this overabundance of stimulation coming at us. That's so that's one side. But the other side is there's a there's a feeling of exactly what you said wanting to feel connected and so we tend to try to connect through the technology it's it's good if we use it correctly because technology is just a tool social media all of us just a tool if we use it correctly it can be very very effective but most people just sort of they're broadly connected but they're less deeply connected and it's the deep connection that really satisfies that need but the broad connection can kind of be like the drug right hey i got so many likes and so many people are following me and you know that that broad connection to really feel like okay i'm fulfilling this need but at the core you don't really feel it right and this is where that that angst and that separation feeling comes in we're herd animals we need each other We, we that's one of our evolutionary advantages is that we can we we Band together and we can figure stuff out, divide up labor and figure out how to survive in all sorts of different environments. And when we don't have that sense of connectedness, we don't have that sense of, of belonging to something bigger than ourselves, there is something missing and it causes us to feel you know depressed, anxious, tired, stressed out, whatever it might be. Now the pandemic you know that so this was happening already <laughs> then the pandemic hits. And the very thing that we would use to look after ourselves and help us manage stress is the same thing that's dangerous, right? We can't be around other people. We can't be connected. We can't get those hugs. We can't shake hands with people. We can't see people the same way. And so, yeah, it, it, it's this is why I think you see so much division, especially right now, is because there's such a, a, a lack uh, of of deep connection and deep belonging or a sense of belonging that people are just kind of almost floundering and grabbing onto anything they can to feel like they belong to something right and that's 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 kind of scary
0: yeah I mean w- when I think about it, and you hit the nail on the head there about the deep connection because I mean I've had so many conversations with family and friends that I mean, in, in the course of the last 10 years that I hadn't had that quality of conversation. And it's mostly just because I think there is existential dread everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we are rethinking our, our lives in terms of work, in terms of our connections, in terms of how we live. Um, but, you know, you're absolutely right. That deep connection is so important. And I think short form content is, it, it's just so it leaves you wanting more right like i feel like you just want more and more and more like us having a long-form conversation right now um you know of course there are quality of people who will listen but the quantity of people looking at a short five-minute clip of like a dog wagging its tail and like you know like uh you know something cute happening in the background like that happens too much right not to say that's not good like you said but i'm just wondering like yeah you're right there it, it does feel like a drug at certain times
1: yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it legitimately is a drug and, uh, you know, they've done studies to look at, you know, what your brain is doing when you're consuming some of this media, right? Especially the short form stuff. And it, it, your brain is doing the same thing it does when it's on heroin or, or cocaine, right? So it's, it is very, very much like a drug as far as your brain is concerned, particularly with the really kind of quick, uh, short-term like kind of dopamine hits or, you know, whatever they might be and it's unfortunate because we're we're actually we're actually training ourselves to be less focused. We're training ourselves to just sort of be seek out more of the shorter quicker hit. Just give me the headline. Just give me the picture of the dog wagging its tail or the, the bunny, you know, jumping through a hoop or whatever, right? And, and and unfortunately the algorithms that are in social media because you know what they're just about, you know, making sure they give you content that you're going to continue to consume, right? And so if you kind of tend towards a certain outlook or a certain way of of, uh, being they're going to give you more of that and to keep you in you know um, interacting they're going to just give you more and more and more and so it's very easy to go down one of these holes but you know in the meantime we feel okay in the moment kind of like that drug experience but there's no deeper fulfillment. There's no deeper sense of connection. There's no deeper sense of like, okay, there's nothing calming to our nervous system. Like, you know, nothing analogous to being with a friend or a loved one and having a really good conversation or being able to share an experience or have a hug or anything like that. It's very, very different experience to your physiology and your nervous system.
0: Absolutely, and um, I think going back to the topic of burnout, because, I mean, burnout is not just, just in work. I think burnout's happening everywhere, like um, there's personal burnout, physical burnout. Um, and I think the, the focal point has become work, of course, but... Right. What are your thoughts on, like, you know, I'm sure it's even in your profession where you're helping others and there's burnout in helping others. There's burnout Absolutely. in in talking about mental health. That, that feels like a burnout because it's just such a common topic now. Um, so, I mean, I feel like there are, you know, some, sort of hokey points out there in, in the corporate world where they're like, hey, you know, treat yourself and, and you know, give yourself this and, you know, sort of consume more as like a way of, of coping with things. Right. Um, so there are some, I would say, uh, not helpful, not useful coping mechanisms. How, how can you differentiate between what's useful and what isn't when you're burning out?
1: Well, yeah, so I think, I think, so some of those, sort of a hokey quick fix types of things i don't think they're necessarily wrong but they're not they like when you do something that's out of context and it's not connected to a larger plan then it's sort of kind of useless right um and so i think it's important to first of all understand the the general idea have some context around it what is burnout so burnout is when you um there's a couple of ways one is dealing with particularly taxing or emotionally taxing situations or information for a long period of time can burn you out. Um, dealing with something short term, like tra- traumatic, uh, intensely and not having sort of a break, it can also burn you out. So it's, it's kind of like running out of fuel. So if you think of, if you think of uh, a balance scale, right? So you have, you know, one arm is, is you know, if you got a load on one arm, the other arm goes up, right? So if, if our nervous system is like that, we need to maintain a sense of balance, or what I like to teach my students is to, um, be out of balance in the positive way, right? To have more good than bad necessarily coming into your life, right? And so if, when, when things go out of balance, we have more, more things that are pulling our attention, pulling our energy, pulling our resources away, and we have no way to fill that back up, no way to pay that back over time we get out of balance and that out of balance feeling then causes problems which we describe as burnout right so we're talking about you know some of the symptoms are insomnia aches and pains higher irritability more drug and alcohol use um, not feeling engaged or motivated it can even even be anxiety like panic attacks can be um, depression even suicidal thoughts or, or or like Um, actions Um, you know just that flatness of life and where the things that used to bring joy aren't even interesting anymore and they just seem like more work all of these can be symptoms of burnout but really what it is is you ran out of fuel right and so there are two ways to deal with that one is reduce the things that are pulling the fuel from you and or Add more fuel to your life so you can manage things more. I, I prefer both. Right? I say you reduce the things that are pulling f- fuel from you if, if you can, but you also really feed yourself with the positive things. Now, if if you know if your employer says, "Yeah, go for a massage," yeah, the massage might be nice, but if you don't understand that you're nurturing yourself in this way, and you still have a whole bunch of stuff that's pulling the negative, like negative stuff, pulling your resources yeah, the massage is good and probably feels good and gives you a distraction for the moment, but doesn't really do anything for the long-term issue of, you know, you're out of balance in your life, right? And so this is why a lot of those sort of trite um, suggestions don't really work well because they're kind of one-offs. They don't really, they have no legs to them. When you have it as part of a system, when you have it as part of a, 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 an ongoing, uh, you know, I call it a personal maintenance system, then you know you're doing things on a regular basis you know you can predict you know more is coming you know what to do if you have a big withdrawal of energy right then those things actually work quite well because because then they're just part of a a larger plan to help you live your life either in balance or in positive out of balance right in balance out of balance in a positive way
0: and and I think the positivity is, is a key part there, right? Like, I feel uh, like when we can't identify the positive influences in our lives, mm. it becomes a little bit taxing to understand, like, well, you know, like you said, some uh, things may seem hokey, but they're actually sometimes, you know, ne- needed in some small mm. doses. Um, but I, I think it's the dosage of things that, that becomes troublesome because there's so many options out there, right? Um, yeah and like therapy itself like for example i i love talking about uh, therapy to the people my age and my friends and especially guys i'm like hey guys like you know you guys we all need therapy as guys yep. because we, we say a lot of things that i'm like you know what back in 10 years ago that would have been okay but now i'm like well, there's some latent like hidden things in there that <laughs> that, that need to be addressed you know <laughs> So, and I feel like it's a little bit easier to call that out for, for other men, uh, because we're, we're so content with like just, yeah, I mean, this is the way I am. I'm a little sexist. I'm, I can be right. a little racist. I can be a little that. Right. Um and <laughs> it's just so so common, you know, especially on a guys' night out kind of thing. So, I'm just curious, like, you know, what are your thoughts on like online versus in-person therapy? The kind of like uh, variety of therapy we have out there right now. Um, mm-hmm. What is the best way to start for somebody who's just thinking about it? And and how do they, you know, move up into the the other higher upper echelons of it?
1: Yeah, the great questions, great questions. So let me let me back up a little bit, right? So. Yes, I, I I do think that there's so much stuff going on and, and one of the problems is we don't we don't quite understand how these positive things that we can do kind of feed feed the or fuel us, right? Or you know, another way to think about it is your happy bank, right? How do how, how do they make make uh, deposits into my happy bank versus withdrawals? Um, so we don't know we don't know always how those things match up and wh- how they fill our happy bank. But even more importantly, we don't always get what is taking with the withdrawals. What are making those withdrawals, right? One of the things with COVID, people, you know, it was it was weird because we we have this kind of existential dread, like you talked about, but we can still order, you know, like, strip the dishes or like we got we have Netflix, and so it's weird. It's like we don't have bombs dropping on us, like unfortunately the people in Ukraine do now, or you know, other people who've been through different wars, right? But but at the same time, it's stressful, but it's convenient, right? And so it doesn't feel like it's a great pull on, on our resources, but it actually really is. And uncertainty generally is a huge pull on our resources and can cause us to Empty out that happy bank pretty quick and create pre burnout. So, so yes, there's, there's that part of it that we need to understand. And yes, there are typically men and people of color, especially pe- men of color <laughs> or immigrants or anybody like we, we this, there's, there's not this idea of therapy or looking after ourselves in that way. It seems like it's just it just doesn't even get on the radar sometimes, right? It but seems the it's bottom... like a
0: weakness sometimes. Well, right, yeah,
1: you know, and yeah, and, and the whole, you know, whether you want to call it toxic masculinity or the way we're raised or whatever, this idea that you got to be the cowboy, right? You got to be, you know, Batman and doing it by yourself and all this other stuff. But Macho, we're not built that way. <laughs> no one is built that way. And like I said before, our evolutionary advantage as humans is that we can band together and figure stuff out together. This is one of those things we should definitely be banding together and figuring out together because even if you're a top athlete, Tiger Woods, you know, LeBron James, like all of these guys at the top of the game, right? They have coaches to help them be better at things they're already really, really good at. Do you know what I mean? I heard LeBron James, for example, spends something like a million dollars a year. On his well-being like physical nutrition massage physical therapy mental coaches psychologists all that stuff a million bucks a year so that he can play at that level do you know what I mean but when it comes to, when it comes to the average one of us we say oh no no that's that's we, we don't need to do that I've been in therapy for 30 years I've been in therapy like as a as a client I've been in therapy as long as I've been a psychologist, uh, like as long as I've been in the field. I think I, I wouldn't try to sell something I'm not willing to use, first of all. But it's been extremely helpful for me to be able to have better relationships, relate to my kids better, but also be far more successful in my business and as I interact with people in the public. You know, what I do right now, is you know i do mostly like uh, executive coaching and speaking and you know workshops and consulting that sort of thing right and and i could tell you that you know the folks that i work with they have understood this too they understand it's not necessarily about i'm broken i need help i need to be fixed it's about how can i get that advantage how can i get that strategic edge how can i improve right dentistry is an interesting analogy a lot of people go to a dentist, you know, to maintain their good dental health, right? Which is a good way to use the dentist. Now, some people will only go if they have a toothache or their, feet or their teeth are falling out or some some problem. And yes, that's, you know, definitely go see a dentist if you got that problem. But then there are other people who go for cosmetic dentistry and says, you know what? I think my smile can look better. I, I think I'd like this to improve, right? And that's that's enhancement. And so you can do things all along the way. And so just like dental health, you can do the same with mental health. You can, you can make sure, you know, if you got a problem, definitely seek help. But maintenance and prevention is more effective, but enhancements even better, right? Uh, uh, the best defense is a good offense. So this is, this is sort of the context around, um, you know, how we should be thinking about this whole area for ourselves and for the people we care about. You had a question about online versus in-person and all the different different options there. So, uh, you know, I, I think for me, it it depends on what the person wants, what you as a consumer wants. I, I do think it's important that you shop around. And like just like in everyday life, we don't get along with everybody. Like so, some people just don't vibe with you or you just like, I don't like your hair or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, so it's important, particularly with something that is this... You know, we'll call it intimate, this this engaging that you want to make sure you feel comfortable and safe with whoever you're choosing to work with. So it is a good idea to take some time to shop around. I don't think it's wise to go buy the first pair of shoes you put on. You don't want to do the same thing with uh, somebody that's coaching you or a psychologist or a mental health professional, right? You ask some questions see what they're like, see if you feel comfortable with them. If They seem like somebody that you can, you can have a good conversation with. I would also ask about if you're going for a specific reason, like, you know, um, you have an issue you want to work on or uh, a place you want to go, ask them about their experience working with this type of issue. You, if you're a member of a certain group that, you know, basically LGBTQ or some other group, you might ask them what is their experience working with people from that group? Um, you definitely want to make sure they have, you know, the training and they're professional so that if things start to go off the rails, you know, that there's some recourse, but that's, that's really, that's really what, what uh, people should do. So, and you can do that by looking, you know, looking them up on Google, the internet, asking your friends and families for, um, you know, recommendations, asking your, your physician, but really, again, it comes down to you. Now I like, I like in-person, I've done in-person therapy for a number of years, many, many, many years, right? Right now, my whole business is all virtual. So uh, because of the pandemic, we had certain restrictions, we moved to online. And what I've found is, although some of my clients have missed the in-person stuff, it is far more convenient for them because they don't have to drive, they don't have to park, they don't, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I do therapy and people are in their bed, you know, snuggled up in their comforters, and you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's much more convenient for people. And same with my coaching practice or even speaking. I've done speaking for a number of people all over the world because we can do that virtually now and it's easier than traveling. So it depends on the person's personal um, kind of uh, what, what they like. And so, you know, try out both things, I would say, and see if, uh, see what works for you. But at the end of the day, you are the consumer. It is your choice what works best for you. If you want in person, go for in person. But the, the, the highest, most important thing is that you connect with whoever you're working with
0: that's a wonderful answer and thank you i mean honestly like i mean we're doing this audio podcast but uh i'm just mentioning for the listeners out there dr gads has a a palm tree and a beach as a background but it, and you have a lot of positive energy and i think honestly virtual uh can be just as good just because you have the, the body language and the tone and everything right there right and i think uh sometimes what can be missing is we don't have your camera on sometimes or right. it's just typing you know you're not necessarily getting the best out of it yeah and, and I think that's where the, the conversation matters the most, right?
1: I, I agree. I agree. And let me just say something about that, if that's okay. Like, um, yeah, so the, the whole texting back and forth, I, I, I can't, I don't know how that would work in a therapeutic relationship. That would be very difficult. You know, I did a, I did a talk for um, a school board recently, and we talked about communication, and, and I, I laid out a communication ladder. And at the top of the ladder is in-person face-to-face, right? Right under that is what we're doing right now, which is like video chat, right? So where you can see, like you said, you can see the person's facial expression, hear their tone of voice, you see their body language, all that other stuff. Several rungs under that is audio only. So telephone or Zoom without the, the video or whatever. Way down at the bottom of the ladder is written communication, text. Texting or any kind of written communication is great for certain things. If you're transmitting a contract or directions or a shopping list, awesome. Anything that has any type of emotional loading to it, not good, not good at all. Uh, so I had, this, I had this client, she told me I could use this story. We were, we were talking and she said, oh, you know what? You'd sent me an email way back when with some information. I didn't get or I've lost it. Could you resend it to me please, right? And so we're in a hurry. So I said, "Yep, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Right. So I'm doing my stuff. Anyway, I send the, the email. Um, and then I sent her a text to let her know the email was there. So I said, hey, I resent the email. So I, I typed in a resent, R-E-S-E-N-T, right? I resent the email. All right. And so later that day, she calls me and she's crying. And she says, Oh no, what did I do? I don't even remember what I did. How why why do you resent the email? Why do you resent what I did? And it's like, what? It's like, no, no, not resent, resent, right? But that's such an easy mistake. But look at the pain and the frustration, the chaos and confusion that it caused with just a simple message because I was in a hurry and I might have forgotten a dash. Right. Or, or whatever, or spelt it wrong or whatever, too much opportunity for misunderstanding. And you really, when you when you're looking at a written uh, communication, you're, you're, you basically project whatever on, on that communication or on that other person, whatever is going on for you at the time, that's it. Like, you're not really, you don't really know how they mean it or what they mean. Cause I can say, Hey, you know, I'm really happy to be here. Right. Or. I'm really happy to be here. Right, right. right. Same words, yeah, <laughs> totally yeah. different meaning. Right.
0: Yeah, I remember back in the day when people were like just on their Nokia phones. A lot of people would do dot 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 to just finish up like uh, a text. And when I used to receive those messages, I was like, "Are you like frustrated? Is this like a sigh, or is this right. like a you know? Oh, I have to right. respond to this person." But you're absolutely right because there comes to a point where um, you know, I, especially for like millennial listeners, including myself here, when, um, you know, in relationships and in, in romantic relationships or friendships, uh, especially, let's not type paragraphs of text. I feel like, yes. you know, let's, like you said, the, the, that's very great that you had that communication ladder, because at the bottom, it's texting. I think yeah. it's, it's mostly like, I'm here, it's urgent, like, can you right. pick up the phone? Can we do this? And yeah, yeah. And it's like prompts. And I think like, you know, my wife and I have figured this out now, right? Like, let's not have arguments over text. Let's just like specifically mention like prompts, like let's do yeah. this, this, this. Um, and, and and you know, in-person conversations, the more the better,
1: right? Yeah, 100%. I, I can't tell you how many people I've had to talk off the ledge because the couple was having a fight on text. And the whole thing started because it was just kind of a misunderstanding or something somebody read into something something that the other person didn't intend and but there's no way to clear that up right because you keep going with the same sort of inefficient way of communicating right so
0: absolutely um one of the questions i had for you and um you mentioned on and this is on your website you said survival of the fittest is alike and i, I really like that so you know adapting is the message why yeah. don't you sort of uh, expand on that a, a little bit
1: Sure, sure. So the survival of the fittest, the the way most of us understand that is if I'm strongest, I'm going to win, right? If I'm strongest, I'm going to survive. And that's not the truth, right? Uh, The truth is the quickest to adapt to the changing environment is the one who's going to survive. So if you can be light, quick, um, flexible, right? Uh, You do far better than somebody who's just rigid and strong. Um, and you know, when I say strong, I mean, just kind of rigid, you can be emotionally strong and flexible. Um, so when we can do that emotionally, we are far better off a lot of times when people, particularly when we're burning out or have, or are in a state of burnout, our field of vision starts to narrow and it does this automatically. It's not that we're trying to do this. It just happens as a consequence. Of what we're going through. And, and our field of vision t- starts to narrow. And in order to have a sense of organization and control over our lives, we start to pick things that we can sort of plant our flag with, right? We talked earlier about the, the tribalism that's happening right now and the more extreme views and, and what's happening with everybody. This is a consequence of people feeling out of control. When you feel out of control, when the environment is uncertain or there's, you know, the things are unpredictable, we want predictability. So I am not. I don't want to have to think my way through life. Just let me find the right guru, and then I'm going to follow that person. They tell me what to do, right? Or I'm going to follow the right cause, or I'm going to, you know, like I'm going to live my life based on being efficient, right? As opposed to seeing what's best in the moment, whatever, whatever sort of organizing principle we we grasp onto, we do that because we're trying to create some structure and order in our lives because our lives feel out of control. Whereas if we start to develop the capacity to recognize opportunity in uncertainty, to, to know that as things flow, as they ebb and flow, this is normal, it's natural, it's part of nature, and we can actually look for how can we make the best out of whatever situation we find ourselves in, that's actually a much higher level of power and control. Now we're not controlling the environment outside, we're not trying to control the, you know, or, or plant our flag around a certain um, dogma or way of thinking what we're doing is we're trusting ourselves to be flexible enough to adapt to whatever the circumstances whatever circumstances come our way so it's, it's kind of the difference of being a rock and trying to find your way through something as a rock right you hit against another stronger rock you're going to shatter or being water where water is flexible. It might hit something, but it doesn't find a way. It goes up, goes around, goes under, seeps through. It always finds a way to where it's going, right? And water, over time, will wear down rock, right? And so so this idea of being the quickest to adapt, the idea of being able to be flexible and developing that skill is, is such an important concept, an important strategy. That most people they're not familiar with they don't know how you know why it would be beneficial and they definitely don't know how to build it into their lives on a regular basis right and this is this is one of the reasons that I get up in the morning because I I like to help people do this I like to help people figure this out and and develop that state of being so that they can be flexible because then if we have a bunch of happy flexible kind of well-rounded people running around we don't have some of this tribalism that's happening right now we don't have the extremism we don't have people sort of wanting to go go, go to battle for everything do you know what i mean and and so we you know selfishly i want to live in a world that's like that <laughs> rather than the word one that where we're at odds all the time
0: yeah and, and like if i may add to that i mean that's that's very wonderfully said i mean like i i look at for example twitter as like the octagon for academics to like just punch each other you know like just to get into fights where I feel like when you get academics like yourselves or anybody who has the need to help or you know deliver some sort of objective um, and factual science um, it gets lost in that world Um, reason why I bring that up is you know the social media that we have today kind of amplifies the the success, the, the hustle culture that we have right now, the, mm-hmm. the you know, hey, I'm doing the side job and I'm making millions of dollars. And, uh, you know, uh, listen, I, I made money with crypto and all these crypto bros. Uh, and then and, and on top of that, I feel like there's a rugged individualism aspect to survival of the fittest that is is kind of being retooled because we don't need rugged individualism right now, right? Like you said, the need of the hour is not to just, go double down on only right. yourself right you need to work with others
1: yeah yeah and, and that's the only way we're going to survive and and listen all all the folks that are doing that rugged individual you know stuff I'm Superman I'm Batman whatever when if, if you extrapolate that right I, and I, I've been fortunate enough to have been in this field for over 30 years and to be able to see kind of like behind the curtain on people's lives and there are people who have been massively successful in one area of life that are just grasping for straws and desperate in other areas of their life, right? And I'm not sure that that is real success. It might be success on paper by certain people's standards, but success to me is happiness. Success to me is fulfillment and, and um, contentment. And when, when, when you make a million dollars because of your side job and you're doing all this other stuff, or you got the perfect, you know, like... 0.5% body fat or whatever it is your thing is, right? Um, cool. But you know, are your kids talking to you? Uh, do you have a meaningful relationship? Uh, how do you feel about yourself? Like, you know what I mean? There's there are other things and no one on their deathbed. Rarely do they say, man, I wish I'd made another million, right? Or I wish I'd gotten that report done or whatever, right? They're, they're thinking about how did I live my life? Was I of service? Did I, did I go after my dreams? Uh, Am I connected to people, you know? And so why wait till you're at your deathbed? Or if you want to think of it as in a fortunate way for people are fortunate in that they may have a midlife crisis or, um, you know, a serious illness. And I say fortunate in big quotations here, right. It depends on your point of view, but the fortunate aspect of that is it can kind of sharpen their, Focus and sharpen their understanding of what they want out of life, and when they have that clarity, then they can live the rest of their lives in that sense of I'm going forward, looking for what I want, as opposed to what I thought I should have because everybody said this is what's important. And you know, I I encourage people not to wait till they hit a crisis like that, but to just kind of do it themselves and figure out, okay, how do I want to live, and what's really going to truly make me happy, not just in the moment. But generally, in long term,
0: yeah, and and um, I think you know, pivoting onto something that's relevant to what you just said, um, you talk about mind, money, DNA. Right. Um, I wanted to 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 touch on that a little bit as well, right? How do you be the best version of yourself? Like, how does because right now there is this sort of. Uh, I would say a stream of let's coach everybody to you know figure out who they are this there's there's executive coaching there's individual coaching there's therapy there's all these options out there right now Mm -hmm. but you know um for somebody who's like i said let's just start at the beginning how do you you know work with somebody who's like just figuring this out um and, and what steps do they sort of get to to become that person
1: right yeah, so, so let's, let's I'll, I'll start with the Money Mind DNA um, uh, uh, initiative that I'm part of, right? So the, the whole idea of this, I got together with two other uh, professionals, a money guy and a DNA specialist or right, a researcher and stuff. And so I'm the mind, obviously. <laughs> um but uh, what the reason we got together was because we wanted to bring people exactly that, the full package to help people understand that all these aspects are important. You need to have a good sense of what it is your money is doing in order, just this just how our society works. The number one cause of stress for individuals is money issues. The number one cause of, Tension in relationships, especially marriages, is money issues. So when you can get that figured out and handle, or at least start on that road, set up a plan for yourself, get some education around how it works and what you can do, that reduces a ton of emotional and, and psychological stress for somebody. Then, of course, understanding how we work as people, how our mind works, kind of what this discussion is like. You know, what are some things that go into successful life? How do we have good relationships? How do we feel happy? How do we make sure we're high functioning? So that's the mind part. And the DNA was really interesting because it's really really general health, right? How do we look after our health? But with the recent um, advances in, in DNA science, we can actually start to look and say, hey, you know what? There are things that you may have a predisposition for that you can start to deal with now and so that predisposition never actually shows up because you've dealt with it ahead of time, whether it's through lifestyle changes or medication, early intervention, different things like that. But on the other side, if there's something that's not working for you, and you're taking medication, the DNA can actually design or help you really dial in the medications that work for you and others that may not work. Right? Um, when I was talking to my partner on that side, uh, Dr. McLeod Rajik um he he was saying that you know certain medications depending on what your physiology is like (laughs) you might need a higher you might need to double the dose because you're a fast metabolizer so the normal dose that they give you just won't do anything all you'll get is the side effects right and other ones will maybe toxic to your particular setup right and so it's a really great way to be able to dial in your your specific um medications to fit your own personal physiology so this is the whole package that we're bringing to businesses business leaders right to so that they can understand this at the higher level and they can then use these tools and you know bring us in to do some education some um consulting with them so that their whole workforce can have that support, because we know, especially last like six to eight months, we've really seen an exodus from the work world, right? There's a, the great resignation, as they call, they call it, right? And so people are leaving business, leaving their, their jobs at huge rates. And so businesses that now can support their workers and support their employees in all the ways, not just giving them you know, company accounts or whatever, but looking after their, their physical, emotional, financial well-being, those are the people that are going to attract more people and they're going to keep them around longer. And we know that happy workers are higher productive workers, right? So this is, this is the overall idea of, doing, of what we're doing there. When you, when you have that general basic understanding, then you can look after, okay, what are the questions I need to ask around money? What are the questions I need to ask around my health? How do I shop around for a good psychologist or coach? Now you understand one, the context, why this matters Two, you understand the benefit, right? Because a lot of people, like you said earlier, we don't, you know, lots of us, especially guys don't think of this as something we do because we haven't seen the benefit. Right, but if we understand the the, the opportunity cost that we pay when we don't do it, but also the upside benefit that we can get when we do do it, oh, let me make this phone call. Let me look this up on the internet. Let me let me talk to somebody and see who I might want to work with or how this even works. Right, but once you do that, then then you can start to move up and and do more. Um, Um, you know, higher level things that can start to feed your life in a different way. It's just like anything else. If you learn a language, you're not going to be fluent right away, right? You're going to learn like the ABCs and, you know, the alphabet, a little bit of structure. And, you know, as you learn more, you're going to find out what else there is to know about that particular language. And so it's the same way on this personal growth. And uh, I like to call it personal enhancement journey that uh, most of us, well, all of us should be on, let's say.
0: <laughs> I, I think that's fantastic. I, I love that because, I mean, I think everybody has those conversations, but in isolation, you guys are making it like a holistic sort of package yeah. uh, because, and that's true because like, like a lot of things can be solved mentally. A lot of things can be solved in the mind, but money is its own thing, right? Like money can be such a, such a divisive, such a complicated topic, uh, especially today with, know a lot of people are just figuring out what inflation means (laughs) like what does that mean for their living right like when the for example bank of canada says or the government of canada says it's six percent or seven percent is it really is it like 20 percent or is it like 30 because it feels like a lot more right um and and making that money work for you means a lot more now than ever right Um, and the same thing with with uh, dna because um of course we've all been through a, a tragic sort of a uh, couple of years for a lot of us and mm. I mean I know bulk of uh, my network including myself we all had COVID at some point mm. and um, you know dealing with the lack of medication or the lack of dosing and, the, and things that that was the most confusing part is like yeah. is how much do i need do i need this my wife had different symptoms i had right. different symptoms and and did i need that or did she need that and that's a very good question too so honestly the work you guys are doing there is is well, wonderful so uh good well, yeah
1: and 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 also people just don't know how who, you know people are afraid most of mm. them are afraid to, to to look at or talk about stuff with a financial advisor do you know what I mean? They're afraid to have that money talk, right? Um, most people don't don't know what a psychologist does, or if there's a difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist, or you know, do you, like they don't they don't know. They've never seen one of these folks, never seen one like me with like skin on, right, and having a conversation, <laughs> right? And and who knows about DNA? That's like a huge black hole, right? So just just the understanding that oh, here are professionals that you know we're uh, hopefully you found me easy to talk to, right? You yeah. know what I mean? Like we're 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 just just dudes right we're just guys just like have a conversation ask questions and we can give you really quick tweaks that you can put into practice right now that's going to help improve your well-being you know one of the things that i i tell people is you know have a regular bedtime just getting regular sleep is huge in terms of your emotional well-being how well you handle stress you know your physical health all that stuff right having a routine for managing stress or for celebration, right? Those things, I mean, it's not rocket science, but most people don't do it. And, but when they understand how you can do it, what to do, how to build it into your life has huge impact on your well-being. But, you know, when we celebrate, for example, we, we put our, our physiology in a state of joy. We put our mm-hmm. physiology in a state of happiness, which means we have better immune function. We, our blood pressure goes down. Um, our hormone alignment our hormone profile is better. We just are better versus being in this sort of low to medium level fight or flight all the time, right which is what creates burnout. That's that, <laughs> that taxing thing that we talked about earlier about you know making the withdrawals from the happy bank. If we're always on edge, if we're always stressed or pissed off at somebody or something, right if we're always worried about you know the uncertainty, that does the opposite of celebration. That lowers our immune function. So, the very thing we might be stressing about will the, the stress of it might make us more susceptible to it. Do you know what I mean? Like things like that, that we can help people dial in that, you know, little tweaks, little fixes that have huge um, effects and benefits for people's lives.
0: Absolutely. And I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on <clears throat> some upcoming, I would say not maybe alternative, but just ways of, of uh, coping and, and helping with uh, stress, burnout, and mental issues, mental health issues. Uh, what do you think about meditation? And what do you think about psychedelics? Because I feel like that's becoming a more uh, mainstream topic now. Yeah. Uh, again, was something that was alternative back in the day. But now, yeah. you know, uh, governments around the world, including Canada, and the US, certain states are, are talking about that in ways in guidance and not just by themselves but to, to help guide people uh, into some sort of um, a better state
1: yeah no great great question I, I think both of those uh, the, you know the meditation and the psychedelics in the right context can be extremely useful let's, let's talk about psychedelics first for a second um, there's been a lot of work around healing folks with uh trauma, particularly PTSD or PTSS, that they call it post-traumatic stress syndrome, post-traumatic stress disorder. And um the 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 proper supervised guided use of psychedelics has been found to help people to lower their uh let's call it was called activation in their system, their that fight or flight alarm, lower that alarm enough. To be able to actually do some work around, you know, sort of reimagining or, or re- reframing some of the traumatic events they may have gone through. And that actually changes the, um, uh, the, so- the sort of electrical charge that's, that's kind of circulating within a, traumatic, a tra- traumatized person's brain that keeps them stuck, right? So it actually breaks that cycle and helps the whole system to settle down and they can actually turn down or turn off that fight or flight alarm with the proper supervised, you know, use of psychedelics that can actually be useful, but psychedelics alone didn't do it. It's like that sets them up to be able to do this other work that actually helps them to do better and feel better. So that's, that's on that side. On the meditation side, great practice, Um, you know, cultures across the globe long before Modern culture of practice meditation and mindfulness and being able to focus, whether it was around a religion or a a certain philosophy or whatever. The idea of meditation is to not to quiet the mind, but actually to have a specific point of focus, to be able to choose where you're going to put your focus. So it's kind of like going to a smorgasbord, right? To go into a buffet. And it's like there's lots of stuff. The bigger the buffet, the more stuff is there that you're not going to want to eat right? We don't always think of that that way, but there's lots of stuff that we won't eat in a big buffet. Most of us in life are focusing on the stuff we don't want to eat, where (laughs) if you really want to get the benefit of the buffet, you focus on the stuff, wow, there's a lot of variety. I think I'd like some spaghetti or I'd like some fried chicken, right? And you focus on what you want. And meditation is a great practice to help you train your mind to be able to focus on what is important to you And also what brings you that physiological state of calm that that sense of this experience this way of being helps me fill my happy bank, it helps me feel good. And when I feel good, I do good like the better you feel the better you do. When you're feeling in a state of calmed focus, you tend to have your highest performance this is that you know when when artists or um, athletes talk about being in the zone. That's what that is. And so meditation helps us practice getting to and being in the zone. And so that really can be helpful in the moment of meditation, but then also transfers over to life. If we can slow down enough through our life, we have this. We can actually experience this sense of really tight focus and sense of well-being, even in the, um, the context of maybe uncertainty or different things coming at us. We can actually carry that that sense of calm, like kind of like I'm in the eye of the storm. The storm can be going around me, but I'm in the eye. I'm good. I'm I'm all right. And so we can have that through that practice and other practices that can help us be there.
0: I I think one of my favorite terms in my conversation with you is the happy bank. I think I'm going to start using that more and more. Um, Hopefully that that resolves some of the issues we have with conversations as well. Um, Absolutely. Um, One of the last questions I'm going to ask before we move on to, like, a plug for you is, um, you know, how do you think, like, psychology and and the study of psychology is, uh, is, sorry, what's the state of of the subject itself going forward? Do you think it should be brought into schools at an earlier age? Um, I always talk about personal finance and, and yeah. uh, things like that like personal finance I feel like is way more important than trigonometry and uh, like I still haven't done a sign or cosine in my life, but um, I'm sure there's some use for it but just just you know thinking about like how we, we program ourselves at a young age we talked about building earlier on and things like that, I'm just wondering you know does psychology have a place as a mainstream subject in our in our education system.
1: Uh, yes, 100%. Uh, I think it I, both both things. I think personal finance, understanding money, how it works is extremely important for people to understand real, real early. So what I tell people um, when you're having like if you're a parent and you're having that that talk around um, drugs or alcohol or sex or whatever with your kid, the content of what you're talking about is important, right? You want to have good information, but even more important, is the energy you have when you're having the conversation, right? If you're weird and you're just sort of, oh man, I like, go, okay, we're gonna talk about birds and the bees. All right, here, read this book, son. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it, it, there's a weirdness to it, right? And so the, the earlier you have conversations about, yep, yeah, nope, this is my arm, this is this is your leg, this is your hair, this is your penis, this is your vagina, right? Just a normal part of everyday conversation then it, there's no stigma to it, right? It just, the earlier you in, intervene and start just having these normal health, regular parts of life conversation, then there's there's nothing weird about it. So there's nothing weird about money, there's nothing weird about your body, there's nothing weird about human sexuality or gender, any of that stuff, right? And so, so yeah, the earlier you introduce um, age-appropriate content around money, around psychology, around how our brain works, around mindfulness, around how our bodies work, the better, right? Um, one of the things that I really encourage people to I've done this with my own family, we have all seen a psychologist, all of us, all of my kids, myself, my wife, right? Um, we, we got the kids in to see people real early, just to introduce them, just so that they know this is part of our team. Just like we go to the doctor, just like we go to the dentist, we might have a massage therapist or a chiropractor. These are our psychologists. These are the folks that help take care of us in this way. And so there's no weirdness. So when they have something that's going on, it's easy. They just pick up the call, phone and call and say, hey, can I book an appointment? Can we talk? And it's, it's just another part of looking after yourself, just like going and talking to your financial advisor if you need to figure out how to move some money, right? And so the earlier and more natural this thing is in schools, uh, the better it is. But then there's the other part of it, which is if I buy uh, a new car or a new piece of electronics, well, maybe I'm a guy, so maybe I don't do this, but I should, I should pull out the manual, read the manual, figure out how it works, right? And figure out how I get the best performance from this thing I just invested in, right? How can we expect to get the best performance out of ourselves if we don't have the manual? And so this is, this is one of the things that another reason for your suggestion, why your suggestion is sound, we should have a manual for how we function, how we think, what goes into good relationships? And it How do should we be a stress? YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 exactly. How do we fill the happy bank? What is the happy bank? What makes withdrawals, right? You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> what do we do to help ourselves function at a high level and get the most mileage we can out of our lives? And yeah, why not? Why Why would should that be a controversial issue? That should, that's just common sense to me.
0: I think it's wonderful that you took uh, the the entire family because I feel like uh, many people listening especially immigrants and and people of color they're like I wish I took my family earlier to (laughs) to psychology uh, just just a therapist and and get them a client like a you know, acclimated to that earlier. Yeah, yeah, especially maybe uh,
1: your parents or grandparents sometimes. I, I really,
0: yeah, exactly, right? Uh, not to say that, you know, it, it's anything specific, but always would help having those living room conversations yeah. and understand each other better. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Gaz It's been a wonderful, wonderful chat. Um, if you wanted to leave a message or a plug on anything you guys are doing or you're doing in general, feel free.
1: Yeah, sure. yeah. No, thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. And this was a lot of fun for me too. I really, it was a good conversation. And yeah, I, 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 a couple of plugs. One is don't wait, right? Uh, unfortunately, we have this idea that we've got to be bleeding from the eyes before you seek help, right? Don't. Earlier intervention is more effective. It's more efficient. Uh, you, you reduce your suffering and you, um, it's cheaper, right? Um, maintenance is even cheaper and more effective and enhancements way, way, way more um, leveraged. So don't wait um, with the money, the mind, money, DNA, sorry, money, mind, DNA. Um, we, we love doing these talks for businesses, for business leaders and helping people um, understand the basics, right? And the first, the, our first um, introductory workshops are free. There, There's no risk other than, you know, you spend some time with us, right? And just to see, see who we are, see what we're about and get an overview of what it is that people can learn through this process. And if it works, if there's a if there's a synergy, then we can set something up for yourself or the company or whatever. And there's all sorts of concierge services at the back end that people can access as well. Um, in my case, I'm doing a lot of um, executive coaching and I do speaking and workshops. And so if anybody's interested in doing that and, and really understanding, you know, the, the best practices of what makes us quick to adapt? (laughs) What, What is going to help us be in that, we call it our OPS, our optimal performance state, right? What's going to help you be in your zone more of the time so that you can feel better and then do better, function better? If you do that and you can stay there more of the time, just imagine what kind of personal leverage you get. Imagine how much better your relationships will be. Imagine how much better you feel on a regular basis. And how much more effective you'd be at your job in, in, in creating success for yourself in that area, right? Managing money or, or building money. And so this is, this is what I do, this is what we do. And um, we, we are happy to have conversations with people who are of like mind and wanna actually go further. And you know, it's a weird term, but let's, let's see how good you can stand it, right? And so I'm happy to have that conversation with people.
0: Amazing. This has been uh, Dr. Gans Ferencz. And uh, the term that I've loved, again, the most is happy bank. So guys, anybody listening, uh, please don't wait. And uh, Mind Money DNA, check that out as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Gans. Take care.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate it.